Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Meantime, some breaking news on this Thursday. Breaking news. Thank you, Alvin. This just in. The Phoenix Suns are good. Really good. And tough as hell. Like, if you were under the impression that this was just a team that was kind of laid back, free-flowing, just happy to be here, get the ball to Devin Booker, let him take a few J's. If that's what you were thinking about these guys, you don't know anything about these dudes. What I'm saying is the Suns are built for this bleep. Their offense is good. They get after you defensively. They'll lock you up. Whatever you want to do, they're going to make it very hard on you or just flat out take it away from you. Flat out not let it happen. And then once they do that, they get out and they run and they push you in transition. The other way. Here comes Paul. Fritches on the cut. reason I bring this up, this was supposed to be a team that was so inexperienced and not ready for the big stage. A team that was supposed to melt under the pressure. And for a moment in that Lakers series, it did look like they were just that. But since then, they've ripped off five in a row. They're getting more confident by the game. And not only are these guys not afraid of the moment, man, they are owning the moment. They just knocked off the defending champs, and they have last year's Western Conference runner-ups on the ropes. I've said it before. Let me say it again right now. In fact, I can't say this enough. I love the way that James Jones has put together this roster. you got a starting lineup that's got a budding star at center who is perfect for the modern game. you got a superstar guard. You have a Hall of Fame point guard. And you have a pair of wings who can three and D with the best of them. Like back when he was playing, James Jones said, quote, to make it at this level, you have to be great at something, but good at a lot of things, end quote. And that's exactly how he built that roster. That's what that roster is. Each guy is great at something, but really good at a lot of other things. Like Jay Crowder, great at being the defensive enforcer and damn good at shooting the ball when he's locked in. Devin Booker can give you 47, as he did in that closeout game against the Lakers, but he doesn't have to give you 47 in order for them to win. He had 18 points and 10 boards last night, and that was more than enough, way more than enough, because every single Sun starter was in double figures last night. Again, like there is no better evidence of the change in the Suns than James Jones trading for Chris Paul. There are win-now moves, and then there's trading for a then 35-year-old point guard with an injury history. What that says is we're going for it all. We're going for it all right now. We're not going to wait for our core to get older. We want to win right this second. And that's exactly what they're doing. And if you thought that Paul was washed, you might want to rethink that too. Because he just turned in a game with 17 points, 15 assists, and zero turnovers. In his last five games in the postseason, 53 assists and four turnovers. I mean, like a crazy, crazy ratio. And freakish control of the game. And old man CP3 still has that killer no look. Here comes Paul. Look away. Sledgehammer. I talked about being one of the game's best manager maybe ever. Sledgehammer. And on top of that, the old guy, that old man still has a freakish handle. Paul's outside. He'll dance. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
Hey, listen, I'm not saying you have to love this guy. I'm not saying you even have to like this guy. I'm saying he might be one of the toughest guys in the league to like because for every great game, there's also a flop or a nut shot or an attempted shoulder dislocation. So I understand why a lot of people don't like this guy, but you've got to tip your hat to him. This guy is a damn good player, even at this advanced state in his career. In fact, he's as good as there's ever been at that position. Yes, he's got a history of playoff heartbreaks and injuries at the worst possible time. But when you watch this team, it's hard not to think that things could be different this year. That he could actually get to the finals. Can you imagine that guy bouncing around the way he has and having the opportunities he's had and the career he's had, but getting to and maybe winning it all with the Suns? I mean, how weird is that? I know you Suns fans are thinking that. They're not thinking of getting to the conference finals. They're thinking of sweeping their way there. I mean, that joint was rocking again last night. And in the second half, they busted out a Suns in four chant. Free throw line. I mean, really, how surreal is that? The reason I'm so hyped up on this, you've got the fans chanting Suns in four, Suns in four. The reason I'm hyped on this, this is a team that won 19 games two years ago. Two years ago, the only thing they were going to do in four games was lose four games. Like a sentence that involves the words Suns and four was going to be about tee times for players on the local golf course. The fact that the fans are chanting for a sweep in the second round only two years after the fact is incredible. And I'll say it again. James Jones needs to be getting more credit for this entire thing. When he was hired as GM, they were coming off a 19-63 and season. Now they're not only in the playoffs, their fans are all up in here chanting for a sweep. And they look dominant. And the Nuggets, well, they look like the opposite of dominant, especially last night. Head coach Michael Malone heard those chants. He heard those chants, and he was pissed. Not at the fans, but at his own guys. This was an embarrassing performance from myself all the way through the last player. You know, uh, we're walking out of here with our heads uh, held down, rightfully so. And there's a reason that their crowd is yelling sons and four. And they're calling for a sweep because if we play like this back in Denver, uh, this is going to be a really quick series. Uh-oh! See, that's part of the beauty of Michael Malone. You know where you stand with this guy. He gives it to you straight. Most coaches would remind you that a series doesn't start until somebody loses at home. And that his guys will be different when they get back to Denver. Yet, yeah, not Malone. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he's saying just the opposite. He's blasting his guys publicly. And there was more where that came from. I felt we quit tonight, uh, which is something you never want to see. Uh-oh! Uh-oh! I mean, dude, he just dropped the Q word on his own team. The one word you almost never, ever hear from a coach. And when you do, you know he's pissed. And Malone was pissed. I felt we quit tonight, uh, which is something you never want to see. He just said it. My guys quit. Yeah, I get it. Look, you're going to lose games, right? That'll happen, especially on the road, in the postseason, against a team as good as the Suns. 
but you can't lose game one by 17 and then come back and lose game two by 25. You can't come out of game one feeling like you've got to be more physical. You have to impose your will on the opposition and then have a game like that. And both times in the second half it happened. They got worked. I know the Nuggets are banged up. They're about as banged up as you can be and still be standing. It's a tough crew. They've got a lot of heart, a lot of grit, a lot of talent. They just haven't shown it in the second halves of games one and two. And trust me, my man, Michael Malone, he's not looking to drop any lipstick on any pig. Uh, I saw one team that uh, wanted to be here and play with a purpose and urgency uh, and one team that did not want to be here uh, and play with no urgency. Uh, And that's why we got our ass kicked. We had a lot of guys play really bad tonight. Uh, and then we allowed the, the, the impact of not making a shot to affect uh, the other end. And it was really, I mean, it was, this, this was just an embarrassing performance uh, all the way around from top to bottom. My man, quote, that's why we got our ass kicked. Stone cold truth. I love it. I mean, maybe they don't like hearing that. Maybe they don't want to hear their head coach say publicly that they quit. I actually love a coach who's going to let it rip like that. And incredibly, he still wasn't done. I guess for game three, I'm just going to try to find guys that will at least go out there and leave it all on the line. I may have a hard time coming up with five guys that fill that, but these two games, these second halves, have really been disappointing, and that's an understatement. Hey, listen, you might say, hey, easy, coach. It's only one game. What he's saying is it's not only one game. It was both games, and we can't have it. You know, one thing to lose, another to lay down. One thing to lose, another to quit. Look, personally, I'm not going to go as far as to say that the Nuggets quit last night. Then again, since there's not a coach that I respect more than Michael Malone, since he said they quit, I might have to agree with him. I know this much. They didn't do a damn thing to slow much less stop the Suns. Guys in black jerseys were doing whatever the hell they wanted, both offensively and defensively. And as Malone said, if they play like this, when they return to Denver, it is going to be a really short series. I felt we quit tonight, uh, which is something you never want to see. That's something you never want to see, but I would add to, that's something you never hear. You do not hear a head coach, especially in the postseason, lay his guys out like that. Are you craving some great protein after a good workout? Of course you are. Except this time, don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Well, it's awesome. And because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. And on top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can, in fact, taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, hot and spicy, if you need a little extra zing. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, reach for a bag of Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? We go to Richmond. Jeff from Richmond. My brother. What's going on, Jeff? Jim, thanks for the vine and thanks 
for the time. And, Jim, as we speak, Jim, as we speak, the lady clones are screaming the name Jeff from Richmond on social media, Jim. As we speak, Jim, the lady clones see rolling behind you, Jim, not only the best photo montage, Jim, in the history of sports, but the best photo montage, Jim, in the history of entertainment, Jim. The lady clones see the swagger of Jeff from Richmond. They see the confidence, Jim. They see the boyish good looks, Jim. They see the Tony Soprano-esque manly build, Jim. And trust me, Jim, the lady clones like what they see. Jim, as we speak, the newbie clones and the 2.0s are collectively lighting their lighters and holding those lighters skyward, Jim, to pay homage, Jim, to the dirtiest player in the game, Jim, Jeff from Richmond. And finally, Jim, as we speak, the remainder of the morally bankrupt clones, Jim, across the fruited plain are throwing roses at the feet of Jeff from Richmond, Jim. They're kissing the ring. They're bending the knee, Jim. They're kneeling at the foot of the Iron Throne to pay homage, Jim, to a caller, Jim, who is universally recognized, Jim, as the best there is, the best there was, Jim, and the best that there ever will be. And clones, if you haven't figured this out by now, there's a reason that Jeff from Richmond is ahead of the table. There's a reason, clones, that Jeff from Richmond wears diamonds on his jersey. Unlike you nameless gray faces, Jeff from Richmond's game is about platinum plaques, championship straps, and over 100 calls rack clones. In other words, clones, in this industry, I'm the macaroni and the cheese. And clones, if you remember one statement that I make, it's this one that I'm about to make right now. Clones, with regard to my jungle clones, I'm like Diddy. I run this city. Are you feeling me, clones? Are you feeling me? Jim, the bottom line is this, and it's been this way for 20-plus years, Jim, for cutting-edge sports analysis and some smack, Jim. You need look no further, Jim, than the great Commonwealth of Virginia, Jim, the 804, Jim. We are your hookup, Jim. Holler. If you hear me, finally, Jim, very quickly, I want to thank you for recognizing the phenomenon, which is Jeff from Richmond. I want to thank you, Jim, for acknowledging the phenomenon, which is Jeff from Richmond, Jim, because when I sent in that Christmas card photo montage, Jim, I did so with a specific purpose. I gave the clones a peek, Jim, behind the velvet curtain. Jim, you saw the luxury sled. You saw my beautiful hype machine, Jim, because I've been blessed in my life, Jim, with two kings and a queen, two boys and a girl. You saw those boys, Jim, with their crop lettuce, their designer sunglasses, their Armani gear. You saw my hype girl, Megan, sitting on that luxury sled, looking as only she can look. You also saw, Jim, the beautiful greenery, and foliage here in the Commonwealth, and it's not my style to brag, Jim, 
but my lawn and landscaping look like something right out of the hollowed grounds of Augusta. And finally, Jim, you saw that flagpole in the front yard with old glory fluttering slightly, Jim. Trust me, Jim, you don't just drop a flagpole in the middle of your yard unless you have a substantial amount of acreage to accommodate that flagpole. Bottom line clones in this industry, there's much too much at stake to be fake. Jim, I'll see you on June the 25th. And clones, the only question I have to ask you is this. Who wants to walk with Jeff from Richmond, Jim, thank you for your time. Aloha means goodbye. War Commonwealth of Virginia. War Jeff from Richmond having Elon Musk-sized dreams and aspirations. War, I'm Trapper, and you're not. War Jake Rome planning a Project X-style party at the Evil Eagle River House and not telling the old man about it. War Bella B, Salty Sarah, and Ashley from Nebraska leading the lady clones and leading from the front. War Mr. Automatic, Jay Stu, without the nicks and cuts of a blade. And until next time, Jim, good night now! Jeff from Richmond. It's official. He is back in. Let's go to Buffalo, Jake in Buffalo. What's up, Jake? How are you? Hey, Jimmy. Much like Benny and Wisco at a traffic stop, I plan to walk a thin straight line here. But unlike Benny at a traffic stop, there's no way this ends with a bench warrant and my wife posting bail. And Jim, funny thing about Benny is he's a fan of the band Fish, a clone and a fish head. The combination of B.O., incense and brickweed emanating from this guy could melt the paint off one of slumlord silk's mobile homes and jim benny's mobile home is literally mobile as in he lives out of a vw bus he overnights in walmart parking lots when he's not seeing the same band five nights a week but i hear benny loves it out there he's got plenty of dumpsters to dive for food a flock of seagulls to talk to and the other people at walmart actually make benny look like he's made good life choices But I guess now we know where Benny got all those cheese puns from. They're saved from his 15 years of selling grilled cheese sandwiches outside concerts across America. And, Jim, quickly, I want to talk some hockey today because my Buffalo Sabres won the NHL draft lottery again. And, honestly, that's bad news for the hockey world. I know that saying something sucks isn't a take, but the Buffalo Sabres organization sucks. This team's been in the doghouse longer than that time that Caleb told his mom to zip up the back of her own damn dress. I mean, I haven't watched someone mishandle this many prospects since Leb's Tinder DMs were made public. But, Jim, just like Caleb whispers to himself while falling asleep each night, we're going to find our way out of this basement eventually. War the smack-off title landing outside of SoCal. War swooping in like a single groomsman at the end of a wedding to pick up all these choppered tickets. And unwar Leafs fan, you bunch of hosers. Jake in Buffalo. So let me drop some stats on you. Two out of three men are going to experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. So let me talk to you about Keeps. Keeps is offering a simple, stress-free way for you to keep your hair. 
convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months and you do not have to leave your home. And low-cost treatments start at only 10 bucks per month and keeps offers generic versions. On top of that, you get discreet packaging and you get proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move fast. Act on it right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Get your first month of treatment for free. You want to jump on this right away. That's keeps.com slash Rome. Get that first month free. Once again, keeps.com slash Rome. 15 days, 11 shows, then it's smack off 27 on Friday, June 25th. 15 days, 11 shows, that's all we have left. Time then is waiting for absolutely no one. Time to knock out some business. All right, so once again, the business of the golden tickets. The golden ticket class of 2021 had swelled all the way to seven. It's a big number now, seven. As of yesterday, though, it's down to five. And one of those five is a dog. Hey, James in Portland. Hey, Jeremy in Green Bay. How does it feel to get shoppered before a damn dog? Maybe if you call in and tell me how that feels. And you do a good enough job of explaining how that feels. Maybe you can fish your ticket out of the blades and glue it back together and be a part of the proceedings. So even though Jeremy and James have work to do just to get back on the air, you don't. Let me reiterate one more time. Send me a 20-second video calling your shot on who you think is going to win Smack Off 27. I will put it on TV. Make sure you turn the phone over. Shoot it horizontally. Knock it out. 20 seconds. Keep it clean. Predict a winner and send it to this address. Smackoffvideos at gmail.com. Smackoffvideos at gmail.com. Do that stat. Because again, you are running out of time. And right now, right now, now that those agenda items are out of the way, let's get going with the player profiles once again. For the second straight day, I'm talking about a former winner. He is your 2013 Smackoff champion. He hails from Tinseltown by way of Philly. He is Mark in Hollywood. Let's talk about Mark for a minute. He's been to nine of these things. He's got a strap, he's got a silver medal, and he's got five top fives. Without a doubt, he is a difference maker. He moves the needle. He gets it done. He shows up. People react. Even though it's been seven years since he won, he's still a force. He's still making an impact around here. In fact, quite often. In 2021, he, to me, is as strong as he's been. Here's a part of his RSVP call from last month. I guess what I'm saying, Left and Gravy, just like Debbie, you need to dig deep for the smack off. And on June 25th, Find your own special dirty mattress, lay down on it, take your quaaludes, and do what you were born to do, what you were meant to do. Get trounced for two hours and 45 minutes until you offer up a whiny, high-pitched squeal of surrender. Ah, screw it. Don't bother showing up, fat Adam Silver. It's my crown anyway. Give me those spin doctor tickets, Jim. Little bitch, little bitch, little bitch left is gone. 
He's on that dirty mattress, and he'll be there all night long. Little bits, little bits, little bits, laugh is gone. He's jumped the shark, and Rich Flores is snorting off Ira's song. Booger Sugar off Ira's song, yeah! Dude, you might be wondering why this guy just broke into a Spin Doctor song. It's because on that very same day, a bunch of idiots thought that I was giving away concert tickets when they couldn't figure out what the golden ticket giveaway was. They got that twisted. So Mark played off that, and it was great. And it's not the first time Mark has crushed it with a parody song in the jungle. Last Christmas, on the day before the year in review, he hijacked my opening segment and went all Mariah Carey with it. I don't want a lot for Christmas, just a few wishes for some clones. Rick and Buffalo's fat fish head, choking on a turkey bone. Matt in L.A., please lose this number, go free base off a silver spoon. Jeff and Richmond, please release that family. Kidnapping is a category felony, too. I just want to be drunk like Slurome. I just want to find Ira a home. Make my dreams come true. You bitch-ass clones are all trash. Screw you. Screw you. I don't like the weird-ass threads. Tweeted by the JTP, Drew in L.A. and Chris in St. Pete, you'll never be Marigold, told me. The XR4TI look shady, like guys that go to a strip club buffet. Romy, did you hire while drunk? Did you have too many Mickey Ultras that day? Brad and Corona has those crabs. Left and Laguna has a big ass. Make my dreams come true. You bitch-ass clones are all trash. Screw you. Come on, man. How are you going to hate on that? The only thing more rare than a good parody in the jungle is a good parody that goes two verses in the jungle. And understand this. That call set the tone for that entire day. Because it happened in the open of the second to last show of the year. And from that moment on, it was insanity to finish off 2020. But of course, Mark is more than just about the songs. In fact, that's not even really part of his game. He is a smack runner. A smack runner with a conspiracy theory. Jeff in Southfield. Yeah, I know this guy's a mesmerizing train wreck, Jim. But unlike Tito Ortiz your interviews with Alonzo Mourning and David Stern, and Army Hammer ending his career so he can freely bite more backs than Marv Albert, this train wreck isn't that much fun to watch. Now, look, I, I know what everyone is thinking. Damn, Mark, you really want to pick a fight with Jeff and Southfield? And that is a valid question. I mean, you don't see a screaming crackhead on the street roll up to him and say, hey, bro, want to go? There's no winning when you fight crackheads. We all know I wouldn't be fighting Jeff, would I? No, no, no. Because there is no such thing as Jeff in Southfield. The first clue is that he's from a fictional city. Southfield, really? There's no town named Southfield. What, born and raised in South Detroit? Didn't want any of that fake city gloss? The second clue is that Jeff is clearly disturbed, his mind broken, as if he's been beaten down over and over again in some kind of competition. 
someone who had to sell his soul and join forces with a roided-up asshat to even get close to a championship, who could that be, you ask? Mike, get into you faux-ass biatch. Yo, is this how low you've sunk? Incredible. Look, I don't know if Mark believes what he just said. Or if he's just doing it to muck up Jeff and Mike's chances on the 25th. I mean, does he really believe that? Is that a legit theory? Or is it just gamesmanship? Is he just trying to get in somebody's head and under somebody's skin? I'll say this. He's not the only one who thinks that Jeff in Southfield is actually Mike in Indy. Hell, there are two people on the other side of the glass who would swear by it. Hawk is one of them. So there's one person who matters on the other side of the glass that believes it. Alvin thinks they're one and the same. Alvin thinks that Jeff in Southfield is Mike and Indy. I'm on record as saying I don't think they're the same guy. I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, that's a bad look for me. But I'm going to say they're not the same guy. Mark, though, part of Mark's game, part of his greatness is his willingness to put himself out there, take a big swing. No risk, no reward. No risk it, no biscuit. He takes chances. He won in 2013 by doing that bit with Siri on his iPhone. Understand that was seven years ago. But at that time, that was pretty insane. That was pretty original and pretty technical and not easy to execute. The next year, he did a live call from a party that he threw at a place called Big Wang's. He also has had one of the more memorable cameos. And he had that in a smack-off call back in 16. But, Jim, you know, the other topic that's really been pissing me off this year is that every single time you have Sports Illustrated Lee Jenkins on, my Twitter blows up with clones saying, wow, why is Jim interviewing Mark in Hollywood about the NBA? Look, I repeat, I do not. I do not sound like Lee Jenkins. All right, that's the most ridiculous outlandish, unfounded... Hey, 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 Mark, just a minute here. Wait wait a minute. <laughs> Lee Jenkins from Sports Illustrated? You got it, bud. Lee, I'm kind of in the middle of something here, man. What's going on? Well, I heard you saying we don't sound alike, and I'm here to tell you we sound a lot alike, man. No, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Okay, Mark, say smack off 22. 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 Smack off... To- oh, there it is. Man, my dude is smart. He's smart. He's got an extremely polished delivery. He does think outside the box. He brings all of his acting chops to his phone calls. You can tell by listening to him that he is a professional. And he does make the smack off better every single time. I don't necessarily need a player profile. I get profiled enough if you see me working. You're welcome for this content, bitch! In West Philadelphia, born and raised, but you'll never catch me wearing blue and maize. It's 9.52, and Michigan still sucks! Leffen Laguna should give a lecture on how to not overcompensate due to micropenis syndrome. So, later on tonight, I'm going to give my girl a My Philly special. If you see me working... Hey, Chael can't hear you. <laughs> He's got too much pus in his ear. Rick, I know you've done so much toot that your eyes look like Edwin Moses and your beak looks like Artie Lang's. You faux-ass bitch. You're all gimmicked out, fat Adam Silver. Mike is the guy that calls the cops when someone commits a hard foul on him during a pickup game. My suggestion to you, Mike, is that you do go away because you are the spitting image of Papa John and frankly at this point, you're bad for the jungle brand. I have to congratulate Left in Lasagna 
Every year, his calls feature less and less less, which is a win for all of us. Yo, Portland woman. What up, Wookiees? Caleb, the only haters you have is called physical fitness and mental toughness. Get back into the carpool lane, less successful Jay Stu. Tyler, Matt, what up, sluts? Tough, smack-talking Canadians, really? Oh, and by the way, James Kelly... As a fellow member of Big Dome Nation, I got your back, homie. Ain't nothing wrong with you. I'd rather have a big dome than look like a bald, wrinkly, newly born Benjamin Button or a dead-eyed, air-headed, tatted-up millennial hipster Mimbo. And war Rick's wife having a fetish for black midget actors from Hollywood. And I'm going to be bringing back the crown to the land. Hollywood land. See you at the party, Van Smack. See you at the party, Mark. Can't wait. Uh, hypes me up. Hey, you want to hear something incredible? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically and with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards, that's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. All right, so this guy had a golden ticket. Lost it. But you know the rules. You can get it back. Let's find out. James in Portland, right back in the saddle, saddle, trying to get that ticket back. What's going on, James? Hey, what's happening, Jimmy Hawk? I love the shirt. And Jeff in Richmond, if your princess has your physique, safe to say I'll be giving her a call when I'm in a slump. And great opening segment yesterday, Jim. Hey, Major League Baseball, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Seriously, any Major League Baseball pitcher today will rub anything on their bodies, Jim, to gain an edge. I mean, God forbid you told a Major League Baseball pitcher to go grab the piece of drywall out from under Alvy's bed, also known as a towel, and use that as a washcloth because it'll give you some extra zip on your fastball. They would. But then, Jim, if you asked him, did you really just use Alvy's drywall as a washcloth, they'd be like, err. Oh, save the rainforest, Jim. No, I didn't. Safe to say, I will not be robbing a bank with Garrett Cole, Jimmy. And real quick, here's my resume. First time I ever called into the show, racked golden ticket. Second time I've ever called into the show, racked golden ticket. Third time I call in, I didn't crap in your pool, Jim. I crapped in my own bed. But safe to say, you told me to keep trying to keep clawing, to be a UFC fighter in the ring. And I may have struck out on my third call, but I feel like I just ripped a nice line drive double into the gap, and I'm standing on second base waiting for my ticket back. Rack me and wore the glove. All right, so first of all, my man is a high-volume shooter, and I respect it. Granted, he gets to his spot on the floor, and there's just one spot, and he just keeps stroking it from there. No pun intended. And now Tyler in Milwaukee wants to weigh in. Tyler, what's up? How are you? Jim, I'm doing well. Um, hey, James, good call, man. Um, here's a little bit of a tip. Your calls might actually be funny if you can get through literally one punchline without giggling to yourself like a little girl. Uh, Jim, Alvin DeLauro, <laughs> has a lot of tee-hee sex tee-hee with his wife. Tee-hee. 
Yeah, I mean, Jeremy, nice call yesterday, man. I mean, look, Jim, we're all well aware that Jeremy is a stay-at-home dad. I'm not going to pick on him for that. That's low-hanging fruit. It's, it's cliche. It's like, you know, every girl in her 20s getting a Jeep. Wrangler thinking it makes her unique, not realizing that every other girl in her 20s gets a Jeep Wrangler thinking it makes her unique. I'm actually jealous of Jeremy. Dude is living the dream. Get to sit on his couch, finger and nose, boxers and a white beater every day, Jim, listening to your show while his wife works her fingers to the bone to put food on the table. I want this life. I need it. So, Jeremy, in preparation, I have a few questions on the proper etiquette. Most obvious being, you know, how do we react when the wife doesn't notice our new haircut? Do we, we hold it in? Do we bottle up the anger? Or do we just act passive-aggressively throughout the rest of the day? What's the move? And also, how do we bait the wife to take the garbage to the end of the driveway, even though she has to work? That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Set it up, knock it down, set it up, knock it down, set it up, knock it down, or at least get to that money blast. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online, so any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore, so we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, Find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. We are joined by Gary Payton. Gary, it's so good to have you on. What's up, man? How are you? How you doing, Jim? How you been? Dude, good, good. How you been? You know, I've been great. I've been great. You know, I've been blessed. You know, a lot of things have been going on in my life. So, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I love that. I love hearing that. Gary Payton, my guest. Now, one of those things that's going on in your life, it was announced that you had accepted the job as the head basketball coach at Lincoln University in Oakland. How did this come to be, Gary, and how fired up are you by that opportunity? Well, Jim, it, it was a call out of the blue, you know, about a couple of months ago. And um, the athletic director uh, had called me from Lincoln University and, he was like he was thinking about it, and he wanted, you know, I was the only person that he wanted to call. It was in Oakland, California. They were starting up a a, a program there, and it it it, intri- it intrigued me because it's in Oakland, California. It's a starter up job. It's something that you know I would love to do to get these kids, the ones that's getting overlooked and and not really you know looked at by major schools. To come in and have a have an opportunity to play for me and somebody who wants to get them to play defense, wants to get them to work on their craft and get them to a further place. You know, I don't. You know, our school is a starter up school, and we're not in the NCAA at this point uh, to you know to start off to get to the tournament. But I'm giving them life experience. I'm giving them some uh, um, education. I'm giving them a, a, a opportunity to play. Uh, for great coaches and especially myself and get a, a knowledge of it and then have experience. And, and I think these kids are understanding that and they're, they're excited to play for me. We're talking to Gary Payton. There's so much good stuff in that response. I love that answer, and I'll tell you why. Number one, as you point out, you uh, have a chance to build something from scratch, so I know that's got to appeal to you. And then you mentioned Oakland. Like, How much, Gary, of this this job appeals to you in the fact that it's in your hometown of Oakland? How much does that part mean to you? 
that was that was almost about <laughs> really legit was about ninety percent of it. You know, you know, Oakland has been lo- losing a lot of their professional teams. They lost Golden State to go to to, to San Francisco. They lost the Raiders to to go to Las Vegas. The Oakland A's were tra- talking about leaving if we don't give them a stadium. Our fans and I, I mean our our people in our city, you know, we, we only like five to six hundred people. We need some some excitement back into our, our our city, and I think me taking this job and giving the people hope and seeing basketball coming back to the Oakland Coliseum or things like that, and getting some uh, some uh, some motivation back to our, our people, I think this is doing it, and it has put a, a, a big buzz out there. And that's all I want to do. I, w- I want our city to get back on the map for the right things. Basketball. Me and Jason Kidd, Antonio Davis, Brian Shaw. Oh, Damian Lillard. You know, we gotta have somebody, some something to come back to Oakland, California, and get a buzz. And I think this is gonna do it, especially seeing players come out of there and then have an opportunity to have some of the players from Oakland, California, get a chance to play for me and, and prove that they we do still have great basketball players coming out of Oakland. Damn, you beat me to it, man. I couldn't wait to ask you about that. Gary Payton, my guest, he's now the head coach at Lincoln University. I was going to say, Gary, that you and I have talked about this, and it's long been a topic on this show, the quality of players from Oakland. We're talking about you, Bill Russell, Jason Kidd, Damian Lillard, Antonio Davis, my dude, Brian Shaw. I could keep going. I know you're going to try to recruit nationally, but how important is it to lock down that talent and keep it at home? Jim, it's very important for me to, to, to lock down my Oakland especially from being from Oakland. And that is a major thing for me. I'm, I'm keeping the program right in Oakland, California. We're going to practice there. We're going to do it. We're not doing nothing outside of Oakland. We're trying to get every recruit that's coming to Oakland. We have a, we have some kids out of Bishop O'Dowd. We have some kids out of McClimans. We have some kids out of Skyline. All of these schools that these kids are in, I'm going to try to keep them home. You know, I want to keep them home, and I'm going to put a, a great schedule together so that they can understand that, yeah, we still can be right here in Oakland, stay at home, play in front of our family, play in front of my home my home people, and then get the opportunities to, to better my life as either going to, to the NBA or doing something else in their life. And that's what I'm going to try to – I'm going to teach them and let them understand. And that's what I want. I don't want nothing leaving out of my cracks in my, uh, of Oakland. If I got a good player out there, I'm guarantee you I'm going to go – so hard to get him so that he can stay in his hometown and play in front of his family and his friends and do the things that he has to do. Dude, I'm from L.A. and I'm fired up. I'm a Southern California native. I'm fired up hearing this. And Gary, when you played, when you played, you had that all-around game. You had a great all-around game, but what you were the guy that made defense cool for an entire generation of players, and even today, that was one of the first things that you brought up. So how would you describe the style of play that you want to see at Lincoln? Well, you know what? Jim, I'm coming from Oregon State where I played for Ralph Miller, who wanted to play defense and wanted to play hard and wanted to leave everything out on the floor. Then I went and started playing for uh, George Call, and he was a guy that did the same thing with uh, Coach Tim Gergerich. We started trapping. We started having things fun. We started making havoc, and that's what I'm going to have my program do the same thing. We're going to cause havoc. We're going to play defense, and we're going to do it because if we're struggling on offense and all of a sudden we're playing defense and making the other team struggle, we have an opportunity to stay in the ball game. My people might not like it because it's a different generation of three. The, the three ball is the thing right now. Yeah, we could probably shoot the three ball too, but we're going to play defense because if we stop somebody, think about that. They don't. We, we get a three, we stop them and come back and hit another three. We have six now. 
So we were going to do things, and we're going to make it hard for um, teams to play because I don't want them to play easy. I want them to understand that every time you step on the floor against a Gary Payton team, you're going to find a lot of havoc, and you're going to make it. We're going to make it very difficult for you to play. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a head coach now. Gary Payton joining us. Gary, I've talked to you about this, but if you can indulge me really quickly, I want to respond to some of the names you just mentioned. You talked about George Carl, one of my all-time favorite guys to talk to. You mentioned Tim Gergerich. I, although I haven't interviewed Gerg because I came out of the Big West at UC Santa Barbara, when he was at UNLV, I saw that amoeba defense, man. It was nasty. It was really aggressive. But Ralph Miller is the one I want to ask you about because when I got started in this business, Gary, as a young smack-talking pup, he was one of the first guys that I interviewed, one of the first big interviews I got. Now, I know you're fearless. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was scared to death. I want to make sure I knew that I had my P's and Q's right before I talked to him. What was he like to play for? Well, you know what, Jimmy? He was a hardcore guy. Uh, But, you know, I got recruited by Jimmy Anderson, who is like a father to me. And when he brought me into the program and I met uh, Coach Miller. Coach Miller wasn't going out on recruiting trips. He only would recruit the guys that he knew that was really good. And he had a chance to come into my home, and he didn't think that they had a chance to get me, but they did. And when he came in, he was first thing he said is, look at here, I don't come to many homes. If you want to come to my program, I'll make you a better basketball player. And that's basically what he said. And then all of a sudden when I got there, he was so strict that I knew that I had to bow down. And when I bowed down and showed him my athletic ability, me and him became close, really, really close. You were scared of him because he wore dark glasses, smoked long, long more cigarettes, had a lot of coffee on the side all the time and sat there. And when he always said, hey, everybody would stop and look, you know, and because we were scared of what he would want, what he would do, you know what I'm saying? Because he had, he was a no-nonsense co- um, coach. He didn't take all all of the the, the, the extra stuff. He would tell you, as soon as you get out of my program, I'll send you home. So we understood that. And for me to grow up like that, and especially with my father, where they were the same people. So I already had a discipline, and that discipline was – to go to work, do what you have to do, and then you won't get you won't get that 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 um that meanness from a coach. And that's what I want my players to understand. I'm gonna be strict, but if you do what you have to do, I'll let you do what you need to do. Gary Payton, what a great line. If you do what you have to do, I will let you do what you want to do or need to do. That, that, tremendous. And now you mentioned your father. I want to talk to you for a minute about being a father, but I do want to ask you this, Gary. That for those who do not know, the glove nickname, which is one of the all-time great nicknames, comes from when you were playing Phoenix and decided that you were going to lock up and shut down Kevin Johnson. What made you decide that you were going to lock him down? And then what did your cousin Glenn say after that game? Well, you know what? I, I just had to make a statement during that time, Jim, because that was – I, it was two years that I didn't do well with, with, with the Supersonics, and they were talking about trading me. This is when George Carr had just came in. He just came in, and we changed our whole organization around. We got to the, to the Western Conference Finals, playing with Kevin and, and um, Charles Barkley, and Kevin was the premier point guard, and I knew it. I, I, you know, I had to play against Tim Hardaway, John Stockton, Kevin, and Kevin was having a tremendous year. And I just thought, we got there. 
But for us to win, I would have to do one thing is shut down Kevin from averaging 26, 27. And, and I held him like 13 points, 14 points in that series. And I just said, I'm going to lock down. Forget about all the, all the offense. That's going to come. Everything's going to come my way if I make create defensive uh, plays. And that's what I did. And I just thought about it. And, and I was so tired after that game. And my cousin called me. Glenn, and he was like, glove, glove. And I hung up the phone. I was like, man, ain't no glove here. You know, so he called back. He said, cuz, cuz, you know, this is me, this is me, Glenn. I was like, man, why you call me glove? He said, because you got Kevin Johnson like a baseball in a mitt so tight that he can't move. And he said him and his frat guys were sitting there, and they made that up. And I said, that sounds really good. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I started doing things. And we started, he said, you the glove, for real. And then we went from there and start promoting it, and then all of a sudden it took off, and the NBA took off with it, and it okay one of the great names. Man, it's such a great name, such a great name. You know, so I'm picking my spots, Gary. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I have an observation and a question for you. You mentioned some of these other great point guards, and you mentioned Tim Hardaway again. When I was early in my career, man, point guards are just a different breed of cat. They just are, man. The job is different; they're different. I remember the first time I met Tim Hardaway. He walked in the studio, and dude, he had like this. This crazy it, man, this crazy aura. Like, he had this vibe. I'm like, damn, this might be the coolest dude like I've ever met. I'd never seen, and again, I'm early in my career, but he just had that vibe coming off him. I'm curious, like, what was he to go up against? And then if I were to say to you, who was your toughest cover in your career, who would it be? Well, we'll start with Tim. Me and Tim didn't really click at the first beginning of of our career, you know? Right. Um, Yeah, because... You know, I was getting recruited at El Paso, and I was going to go. We was thinking about going there, and then he was there, and then I said, no, the Chicago kid, you know, I don't want to go. I don't want to sit behind him for a year. I want to go somewhere else. So when we got into pros, he played for Golden State, and then that was my home city, you know, in Oakland. So we, we didn't click. We didn't click at all. You know, he was the, the rare, cocky one, and I, and I loved it because he acted just like me, from, and he's from Chicago. And, and, and when he did that, I wanted to compete against him. That's all I wanted to do was compete against him. And we, we, we clashed for a long period of time in the pros. And then all of a sudden, like now, He's the first one of the first guys who hit me to congratulate me on my job. Cool. And we're best friends right now, you know, and, and I saved the text from him because me and him are like that, you know what I'm saying? And we're more like family now, and, and it's great. And, you know, it just see, it's just great to grow up and have that type of vibe and got somebody, and then all of a sudden we become real, real close and tight. And, that, and that's a good thing for me. And as in the, the toughest guard – Everybody knows John Stockton was a nightmare for me. He was a whole, a real nightmare. He wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk back to nobody. You couldn't get in his head. He was a guy who only played like 33 to 34 minutes. You know, Jerry Sloan had him on a time clock. But when he went in there, he was so efficient that he would only play for 34 minutes. He would shoot the ball 10 times, probably make seven or eight. He would shoot free throws. He would probably shoot eight, make about six or seven. Then all of a sudden you look at him, he has 16 assists, he has six rebounds, and then all of a sudden he has four and five steals. And you look up on the number board, we down 20 or 30, and he has 26, 16, 6, and 5. And I have to guard him 94 feet all the time, and it's just crazy. And we just didn't think. We thought he was dirty. But we were, were stupid. 
because we looked at him about it. We knew what he was going to do and what he was going to pick, but we tried to out-talent him, and he did the outsmarting us. And that's why he was so good. And that, that's why it was a nightmare for me to guard him all the time. And what a great answer, dude. What a great answer that was. And I was going to say, with no disrespect intended, and you beat me to it, Gary, I was going to say, yeah, but. I mean, this dude was so efficient and so smart and so tough. But I was going to throw the caveat, but was he dirty? And you got there first and said, no, man, he was just smart. He was smart. Gary Payton, my guest, I want to ask you before you go, I mentioned family and you being a father, your son, Gary Payton II. Listen, can't be easy to be the son of a Hall of Famer. Can't be easy to be the son of a Hall of Famer with the same name. But he was named to the G League all-defensive team. He signed with the Warriors. And you made the point earlier this year, he plays so old school right now, a lot of teams don't really value his worth. End of quote. I want you to lay that out for me. What do you mean by that? He don't value his worth because nowadays, you see, Jim, they all are on three-point shooting. Most people are now and teams and coaches, they evaluate you on if you can knock down a shot or a three-pointer or what you can do. But you have so many people on your team that that are basically scores. Okay, now only person that, that's valuing somebody's worth is a tucker. You know a tucker like in Milwaukee now. He doesn't really do a lot of things, but he basically, you know, does everything. He gets you rebounds. He guards the toughest guys. He'll get you a, a, a big steal. You know, he'll hit a big three at the right time. He's a good teammate. And that's why the Golden State Warriors, I think, really are now on my son because they are going to value that because they see the same thing in my son that they see in Draymond Green. Draymond Green doesn't score a lot of points. He does everything else for the Golden State Warriors to make them better and make people around him better. And I think my son is that same type of basketball player. And they just people just don't value that now. They really don't. And for Draymond Green, which I'm, I'm giving kudos to to step up for my son and go to the Warriors and say, man, we got to keep this guy if we're going to be trying to get ourselves back to where we were next year when Clayton M comes back and things like that. And he stepped up, and he has never done that for anybody I've, I've heard, for nobody and on any team he's been on. He's never stepped up for a guy, and he did it for my son because I think he knows my son plays the same way he does, and if he be on the floor with him, they'll value each other. You know, I went to one game for them, and Draymond was looking for my son so much. In two minutes, my son, my son scored 11 points because Draymond directed the floor, got him on cut, knew what he was doing, talking to my son afterwards and telling him what to do. And my son was playing like, yeah, I had somebody there with me who can evaluate me and we can play together. And they play really well together, and it looks really well. Hey, Gary, really good. D- Gary, Gary, tell me I'm wrong, but like even with the career you had, even being in the Hall of Fame, I mean, when you see your son and what he's about and that grind and that grit and that work ethic and the way he plays the game, aren't you, I mean, maybe I'm out there, but aren't you more proud of what you see from him than almost anything you've ever done? Absolutely. I see a lot. You know what, Jim, that's a, that's a great, 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 great question for me because I do, because it came so easy to me because I was a number two pick. I was this. I was I was all American in college and you know, doing that for my son to grind. And people would say we wish our sons would grow up like we did and do more, but it didn't happen. You know, they had the silver spoon and thing, and then all of a sudden to grind and get to the place where you do. He reminds me of Patrick Beverly. 
how Patrick Beverly went through the things that he did and then finally got there. I think my son is going to do the same thing. And I'm so proud of him for not quitting and keeping with his game, working out, working and doing the stuff that he needs to do. And now he's here. You know, and, it, and it's, a, it's a pleasure for me because now I'm going to be around him a lot because he's in Oakland. You know what I'm saying? He's in the San Francisco, and I can be around him a lot. We just hung out the other day and had a great day uh, going to have lunch and, and, and do things like that and talk about stuff. And, and this is a big thing for me because I, I love my son because he doesn't quit and he grinds and he knows how how, how tough it is to get to where it's at and, and get the hard work in. I think it's awesome. I think it's really awesome. Gary, one last thought. I normally do not keep a guy this long, but you are so good, and I'm so glad to get caught up with you once again. I know you've got your plate full and you've got a lot going on with coaching Lincoln University, but there still is talk about the NBA possibly returning to Seattle. What would it mean to you to see the NBA back in Seattle? That would mean a great deal for to me, Jim. Uh, everybody knows Seattle is like the second home to me. It is second home to me. And I've been trying to get Seattle back into the NBA. I've been talking up for it. Uh, it's coming close, Jim. I, I just know it, and we all know it. And uh, once it gets back there and these, and these Seattle fans can get back to less showing people in the world and in the NBA that the NBA is deserving there and it's a great city to play. And I'm going to be more involved with it, very much involved with it, to get it to the place where it need to get back to. And I know a lot of us who are alumni there is going to be involved with it too. And I just can't wait. It's going to be a great moment. And then it's going to be a great moment for me to see uh, Sean Kemp and Della Shrimp get their number uh, retired, and I'm sitting there with them and uh, watching their banner go up to the, to, to, the, um, to the roof and seeing that with them. It's going to be a great moment for myself. Gary, I was going to say, what about your number, though, man? I, I know you're about your guys, but, man, what would that mean to you to see that number go up in the rafters, your number? It'll be, it'll, it'll be great. That would probably be one the best moment ever in my life. I always say the, the Olympics was the best thing ever in my, in my life to do and, and, and accomplish. And then the Hall of Fame came. Uh, but having my number retired in a place that made me all that accolade that I just mentioned. It, it, Seattle made me. Uh, the person who to go to the Hall of Fame, who made me to get to to the to the Olympics, but to do that in front of the Seattle fans, Seattle fans who who represented me for 13 years and got me through all the All Stars, got me through everything that I did, the first championship appearance that I had, to, to, to being an all time leader in everything, almost everything in Seattle, it would be a great moment for them people. Who are way, who's been waiting for this for so long, and we're getting older and older, and we're going to keep waiting until it happens, and it's not going to happen but there will be a great thing for me. My man, why won't you let me let you go? I'm trying to, but you keep saying really interesting things. Quick, quick follow. You mentioned the Olympics being the biggest thing. So if you've had this amazing basketball life and you've accomplished literally everything there is in the sport, why was it the Olympic memory and experience that stands out maybe above all else? Jim, we got to think about it. I, I just did a thing with the military. Uh, I had a Zoom call with a group, a, a, a whole room full of military people who are trained to protect our country. We don't get that. They, these people go over to different countries to protect us, to serve, and they're getting bullets shot by their heads, their face. They're getting stuff blown off. Coming back in a in a in a just 
I just don't get it where their mind is messed up and everything, and we have to help them. But we're sitting over here playing basketball and have USA on our on our chest. We can bow our head down and get a medal and doesn't have to worry about none of that. But they're protecting us so that they won't come over here to, to for anything to happen. These guys are our heroes, and I look up to them. And it's an honor for me to have USA on my chest and to go and play basketball and win. And they're over there looking at us play and excited about it, but they're in harm's way. And I think that is just something that I just can't overlook and think about. I am grateful to be honoring my country and don't have to worry about anybody trying to shoot me or do anything else to me and just play basketball and win a medal, a medal. And they're over there, and they need medals themselves, more important than our medals. And then that's what, that's a big thing to me to represent that. Mm. NBA champion, nine-time NBA All-Star, a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, and now the head basketball coach at Lincoln University, Gary Payton, my guest. Dude, it goes without saying, Gary, you are the absolute best. I really appreciate you spending so much time with us today. Congrats on that gig. I am locked in. I will be following that program so closely, and it's great to have you back here. I appreciate you very much. Thanks, Jim. Anytime, man. Anytime you want me on, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And, you know, anytime you're welcome. You're welcome to come and see us play. I'm going to give you a show on, man, because I'm going to have some good ones there. My man, I know it. I know it. I will take you up on that. Much respect. Much respect. Gary Payton. Good night!